Greetings to my lovely audience. My name is Sylvan. I use he, him pronouns and welcome back to LGBTQSU. How's everybody doing today? I'm still doing great considering I am still in the studio and I just finished recording the last one. <laughs> yeah, so um, I believe, as I mentioned in the last episode, I am pre-recording a bunch of stuff in preparation for finals and for winter break. And if you missed the last episode, uh, I am going to be uploading every other week during winter break so that I don't die trying to record a bunch of episodes before I leave after break and, you know, still getting prepped for finals. So that's the, situ that's the situation with that. I am also going to be doing some stuff on the Instagram. Not completely sure what that is yet, but over break I will be doing stuff like that um, to, you know, make up for the, the missing episodes. So stay tuned for that. It's at Sylvan underscore on WQSU for anyone who has not gotten that yet. I am not sure how many times I'm going to have to say that on a recording today, but it's probably going to be a lot. So, you know, I hope you I hope you like hearing me say the Instagram name. So, uh, anyway, uh, today's episode, you know, time to get into the meat of it, is about the drag scene and just drag in general and its origins and its influences. So this is going to be a little bit more, bit more history like last episode. Um, so, you know... Sorry to anybody who doesn't like history, I guess, but I do think it's really interesting, and I do think it's incredibly important for queer people especially, but for everybody to know LGBTQ history, because it there's so, like, so much has happened, and it all influences where we are today, and, you know, it's just, it's just so important to know your own history in the community. So, without further ado, let's get into it. Uh, so, I myself have personal... Like, I, I have little personal experience with drag. Um, I have two drag personas, one drag queen and one drag king-ish. Um, but I haven't ever actually performed, and I've really only gotten all dolled up once. Um, I've only been to, I've also only been to one drag show. It was actually at Susquehanna in Tracks earlier this year. It was absolutely wonderful. It was so fun. I went there with some friends, and I didn't, you know, get myself all dolled up in drag because I wasn't honestly familiar with the social customs of, uh, you know, drag shows. So I wasn't sure if I was, if you're, like, supposed to do that or not. So I, I did look nice, though, for anybody who, you know, missed me there. I did look pretty cool. I did end up busting open my leather vest, which sucked but it's okay it's okay also one of the drag queens played with my hair so it was absolutely wonderful um but yeah so I don't really have many person like much personal in real life experience with it but I do follow quite a few drag queens and kings online some I know personally and others I have found through social media primarily TikTok um just they'll come up on my for you page because you know TikTok knows what I want to see. <laughs> so that is that is my experience. So, you know, don't don't feel too threatened, you know, listening to me talk about drag because I find it absolutely wonderful and I love I love the content, but I myself don't have much experience. So, anyway, now into the the real meat of the episode. What is drag? Drag is essentially the performance of gender. Traditional drag or, you know, like drag for a really long time up you know before modern times was performing in clothes that are usually highly stylized that are considered appropriate for another gender modern drag does like does consider anybody able to do drag even cis people performing in their gender or well anybody performing in their actual gender um just you know still highly stylized for performance um but you know anybody can do drag Drag queens are the usual first thought, especially because of RuPaul, and whether you support him or not, he did popularize drag for many modern people, 
more on that later. But drag kings do exist, as well as non-binary drag personas. So to elaborate more, um, in traditional drag, like the traditional drag idea, a drag queen would be a man performing as a woman in a very highly stylized performance. A drag king is a woman performing as a man. And non-binary drag personas actually didn't, they weren't very popular for a really long time. Um, and drag queens have dominated the drag scene for a really long time. But again, there are other personas as well. Drag performers usually perform at bars, but also at some other venues, such as the one on campus here was at Trax, which is our school's like private bar, kind of like bar club thing. Um, it actually hasn't really been open for very much due to COVID. That was my first experience being in there. Um, but they do perform at other places, just bars primarily. And usually the performances consist of lip syncing and dancing. Um, however, there's also comedy, singing, and many other forms of entertainment by drag, by drag performers. And many drag artists today also use their drag to support some sort of cause, either a personal cause or just something that they are very passionate about. Um, they'll use their platform for awareness and or raise money with their performances for different things. Now, going into the history of drag, it originated technically from theater, specifically Shakespearean theater, where women weren't actually allowed on stage. The only actors at the time were all men, but of course there were female roles in the plays, so men played the women's roles. And um, you know, throughout history and many different cultures, this was actually the case where women weren't allowed on stage, so men performed the roles. And certain cultures actually, uh, you know, revered these people of being able to play women very well. Um, but, you know, it's just, it's actually really interesting to look into it, um, how, like, gender norms at the time, and there was so much sexism at the time, but also men, like, you know, I, I don't, I'm saying a lot of words and I'm not making sentences, but, um, you know, like, I just find it, I find it really interesting that, you know, there was so much sexism and so much, you know, attack against femininity, and yet men would play women's roles, and it was actually, you know, revered in various uh, communities and cultures. But, you know, that's, that's a whole other thing. Um, I, I'm learning, I, we, we've been learning about that in one of my classes, which is why I, I think it's particularly interesting right now. But the term itself of drag is there's two different origins that I have found so far in my research for where it came from. It is either referring to how the dresses that men would wear for these roles would drag across the floor, or it's an acronym standing for dress resembling a woman, or or like a, which, not really sure how that like became drag, but you know I, I'm assuming like dress assembling an another gender is how that morphed, but. You know, there's there's many different things. It's not it, it was never a solid start to the word drag. It was just developed and we're not totally sure where it came from. The earliest recorded drag queen in is in 18th century England. Her name was Princess Serafina, also known as John Cooper. Though homosexuality was a criminal offense in Europe at the time, she was never arrested or attacked like homosexuals were actually still being hung at the time, but she was never arrested on record and Something of note is that Serafina wasn't just a persona for a performance, but rather a part of John's life. Though she did perform in Molly Houses, which is basically the equivalent of a gay bar, according to my research. Um, so I find that interesting because um, 
I talked about it a little bit in the last episode where the history of cross-dressing, of there's debate whether these historical figures were actually transgender or just cross-dressing for entertainment or for personal enjoyment. Um, I do find that interesting and I did not find in my research, my research on this topic was not you know, the main focus. So of course there may be more research out there that gives clearer answers, but it doesn't really say whether she, you know, whether Serafina was who John truly was meant to be in in their head, but um, it was said that Serafina was not just a persona, but a part of John's life. And at the, you know, around that time and going forward, vaudeville performance had a lot of cross-dressing, um, both from men and women, which is where the 20th century, I believe it's pronounced Elting, um, AKA Julian Elting emerged. Elting had the audience convinced that she was a woman until the end of the show when she'd remove her wig and reveal her true gender. Which, again, there's some more debate. What, like, you know, there could be a debate of whether she's really transgender um, and just didn't have the language or it wasn't acceptable at the time, so she made it a performance in order to still live that way. You know, there's lots of different debates about that. Um, but vaudeville did have a very big cross dressing scene and had a lot of influence on drag, and Elting was incredibly popular. And in the U.S., the pansy craze of the 20s and early 30s, which uh, is the huge LGBT scene in major cities across the country, which I also talked about in my last episode and mentioned that I did a really big project on the pansy craze in, back in high school. Very interesting. You should definitely look into it. That included many drag balls where the drag queens at the time were actually the star of the show and were revered. And both... LGBT and cishet people would go to these balls and have a wonderful time and just thought that the drag queens were so amazing and so beautiful and drag queens were incredibly well respected in these scenes and you know were like the the guests of honor at these events it wasn't just a drag performance or a drag just pageant it was it was truly like a drag ball it was incredibly important and it was very fun for everybody involved side note it was also a very uh, racially diverse scene and it you know had a lot of more modern liberal thinking about race at the time which is also a wonderful thing um, and I am sure that race has had an impact on drag for the record but that was not part of that is not what I found in my research so of course this list is not or well, this list this episode is not inherently all-inclusive of drag history just you know for the record but just going through a crash course because you know we only have a half hour and I can only do so much, especially now during finals. But uh, anyway, moving on from the pansy craze. I get very passionate about it because I just think it's so interesting. Uh, moving forward a bit, still in the United States, but after World War II, drag personas fell out of popularity as homophobia ran rampant again. Because homophobia across the world, but especially in the United States, um, was it was always there, but it wasn't always a major topic or a major issue at all times in history you know, such as during the pansy craze. It was still there, and there were anti-LGBT anti laws during the pansy craze, but overall, there was it was a much more accepting time. So after World War II, as I said, drag personas fell out of popularity, but drag personas did exist at the time, such as Danny LaRue and Dame Edna Etheridge. And of course, uh, you know, moving forward, there's, a, you know, the one of the most famous, if not the most famous, LGBT... Uh, event in history, at least in America, is the famous Stonewall Riots, which involved many drag queens and cross-dressers at the time, such as Marsha P. Johnson. She was 
a very big activist at the time, um, for those who aren't aware. And she, you know, Stonewall and Marsha P. Johnson, both during and after this event, sparked a huge movement, like a huge rise in the LGBT movement. Um, so Stonewall would not have happened without drag queens and crossdressers at the time, which is so incredibly important because, you know, there is you know, modern research happening re revealing that Marsha P. Johnson was most likely not the one to really start the riots, but it would have been a drag queen at the time. So, Stonewall resides on the back of drag queens and transgender people, but that's, you know, again, debates whether they're actually trans or not. You know, that's a whole thing. So, anyway, continuing on, drag balls became very popular in New York again in the 1970s, with queens strutting down the runway in order to win prizes. So this is where it more starts to resemble, um, you know, for example, RuPaul's Drag Race, which I will mention again in a little bit here, um, where, you know, drag queens are still performing, but it's also, you know, to show off their talent and their outfits in order to win prizes, and less like the drag balls of the pansy craze, where it was like a really big ball and a really big event like that. Um, these drag balls in the 1970s is also where the term drag mother came from, as seasoned queens would help train and prep younger queens to enter the pageants and often providing housing as despite the popularity, despite the popularity, there was still lots of stigma. And as I said, throughout history, especially in the United States, homophobia uh, was rampant in varying degrees, but it was always there. And so oftentimes a lot of drag queens, if their family found out about them, they would be disowned or just otherwise not have a place to go home to. So these drag mothers would take in these younger queens and help train them and also provide a home and a support network and a friend and a mother. Um, and drag mothers are very popular today. Like that that term and that concept has continued in our time. Um, and oftentimes it's not so much a place of providing housing. Of course, that does happen for those that are from an unsupportive background, but it's more so um, today, just uh, more seasoned drag queens, and uh, I'm not sure if drag father is a term. I have not seen that yet, but I'm sure that there are drag kings out there that perform the same kind of role. Um, but you know, drag queens helping younger queens to you know learn how to perform and to learn how to make a character and you know do all these different things, and you know also get them in you know networking and into different performances. So that's where drag mothers came from, and that's also dra where drag families developed, where a drag mother would typically be at the head of it with a bunch of different drag queens and kings under you know not underneath them, but you know being supported by them. And, you know, making a sort of chosen family, which for, you know, many of you listening would probably know is a very common thing in the LGBTQ community of, you know, chosen family, especially because of the stigma and the homophobia and transphobia we have to deal with. Chosen family is often the only family that sometimes that LGBT people can get. Um, so drag families developed out of this, with some even being featured in a 1990 documentary called Paris is Burning, which showed off the drag ball scene and started popularizing drag. Another person who helped popularize drag is RuPaul. He really started emerging in the 90s. He had been performing and working for a while, but was really um, seeing a, a massive increase in popularity, even on a global scale. 
and helped to really popularize it, especially in 2009 with the first season of RuPaul's Drag Race being aired, where queens compete in competitions and challenges to win prizes. This was also one of the places where drag lingo and slang really began to solidify, because throughout all of this history, there was always lingo and there was like there was always words and terms that people used and you know just different slang that emerged but a lot of it was very was widely varied depending on where you were and the types of events that you would go to so with you know the the global scale of RuPaul's Drag Race is where various slang and lingo was really solidified for drag um, so that it's just a term that most drag queens and kings know um, and RuPaul's Drag Race has continued to air, and it is incredibly popular. Um, and it's not just popular within the LGBTQ community. It is popular well outside of that as well, um, which is honestly very amazing as it's just, it is opening everyone's eyes to drag and destigmatizing it as well. Um, I will say, for the record, as I mentioned earlier, um, you know, the, mo the comment of whether or not you support RuPaul. Um, throughout RuPaul's time, he has not always been the most, um, RuPaul has said some questionable things and done some questionable things. Um, I will not go super into it, partly because I'm honestly not even fully aware of everything that has happened. Um, but, you know, one of the issues was, um, like RuPaul being transphobic in regards to the contestants that could be on the show, being exclusionary of drag kings, um, you know, pushing kind of conservative drag views, which is honestly baffling to me that there's conservative drag views. Like that that just seems like a, that seems, uh, I forget the word, um, not counterintuitive. Um, I don't know, that just, it, it doesn't seem like that should be a sentence that can go together, but um, yeah. So RuPaul is not exactly the best, uh, RuPaul is not, you know, the, the, the perfect person. But whether you support RuPaul or not, there's no denying that RuPaul had a major impact on the spread of drag and the popularity and awareness and acceptance of drag. Um, and that actually basically brings us to the present. So drag is a huge part of, the LG of LGBTQ history and is widely popular in the community and outside of it. And it has just become so far spread and it has morphed so much from where it started and it's honestly really amazing to see. And it's so cool to look at the changes over time um, and just, just you know see where things go, much like with everything. Um, Cause you know, despite the fact that this episode and the last episode were more about history, I don't really consider myself a big history buff, but I do really like to look at the history of you know LGBTQ community, seeing as I am part of it and it's very important to me. Um, but it's also just really cool to look at how things morph over time, especially when, you know, we, we think we have such a good idea of it, but then we look back in history and realize, oh, this started out really different. You know, like, I wouldn't have guessed before my research that drag started from Shakespearean acting with cross-dressing men on stage, especially since, as I mentioned, I've been learning about this in classes about, you know, the men that would dress as women to make up for the lack of women in theater. Um, which, you know, was not by choice. It was because women weren't allowed to do theater. But, you know, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have guessed that. Um, and so I just think that's really interesting. And, you know, like, I just, drag is so cool. You know, like, I just think it's so fun. And, you know, like, the singular drag show that I've been to just 
it was absolutely amazing and I had such a good time and it just really influenced me to just want to really get involved in the community and you know find that presence and see these people um, because I have I know personally some drag queens but I've never actually seen them perform I didn't I wasn't familiar with any of the drag queens that I went to see before I went to, before I went to the show um, but you know part of part of the the growth of drag is also the uh, acknowledgement that drag is for everyone you know as I mentioned more traditional drag views um, you know the more traditional ideas of drag involve only dressing as you know the opposite gender which as we know now isn't exactly a th like there isn't an opposite this is like there's so many different genders that's not even really you know it's not that it's not a valid idea but it's just it's an outdated idea and drag is for everyone and it's not just gay men that do drag, which is a very common stereotype, which, you know, it, it does have some basis. It has been a very uh, gay male dominated field, especially because drag queens dominate the field so much just because of history. Um, but it is for everyone and, you know, both for performances and watching. Um, so if you're looking to get involved or go to a show, um, you can actually just look up drag shows near me or drag queens in insert city or state. Um, you know, I actually looked it up, and unfortunately, seeing as Susquehanna is not in the middle of nowhere, but it's not near any, it's not particularly close to, to a major city without, you know, a pretty far drive. Um, unfortunately, I am pretty far away, so I am very grateful that Susquehanna had that drag show here at Tracks. It was so fun. Um, but yeah, there's lots of different opportunities to get involved. Um, you know, they are, it is pretty popular in very major cities. Like, I know Philly has a huge drag scene. That's actually where, um, most of the drag queens and drag performers that I know personally are, that's where they live because it's a very, you know, lucrative environment for drag. Um, and there are people that make a living on drag. Like, this is their livelihood and this is their work. Um, and there are people that, like, it's their entire lives plus work because, you know, that's especially common for people that are performing drag for their own causes and to raise money. Um, and, you know, some people just, you know, this is their, this is their, true love like they love drag this is you know it's not what they spend every single minute on and it's not how they make their money to live but it is you know like it it is their true love and i i just think that's so cool i i love i love seeing talent and i love seeing people being passionate about things and drag is just so full of passion and talent um like the amount of talent it takes to get into those outfits is insane like for anybody who hasn't seen something like RuPaul's Drag Race or any other thing where you could see the preparation work that goes into drag. It is insane. Like, that is hours and hours of work, you know, writing the routine, getting all the costuming together, especially if you're making your own costuming. It is, there's just so much that goes on there, and it's just absolutely fascinating. Um, so, yeah, that is, that is the, that is the history of drag. Um, so, actually, this episode ended up a little bit shorter than I was anticipating, so actually, I think, actually here, give me just a moment's pause and I will go look up any, you know, local drag scenes or anything close to Susquehanna University, so just a moment. So I am currently on Google Maps, <laughs> uh, so I'm actually looking at a couple of clubs like right now that do drag shows, and I'm actually discovering that there are specific bars just for sh drag shows, which I actually did not know, and I did not see that in my research. Um, mostly just because I was focused on, like, you know, the, the more history, not the current times of drag, just because, you know, I 
had a pretty good idea of you know what the modern drag scene is. Um, but I didn't actually know that there's there's specific bars. Um, you know, most of the time the drag shows are at a gay bar, but there are just you know generic bars that do drag shows. Um, it appears the closest one to Susquehanna is in Harrisburg, PA. Um, there isn't a huge, huge scene in Harrisburg, PA, but there is a drag scene there. Um, there's actually quite a few bars over there. Um, there's also the Harrisburg Comedy Zone, um, the Stallions Club, Heat Bar and Nightclub. Um, apparently, according to Google Maps, Penn State has had drag shows. Um, specifically, the drag show, like the drag show bar that I was looking at, is the Lips Drag Queen Show Palace Restaurant and Bar in New York, New York. Honestly, not totally sure why this showed me that, considering I looked up drag shows near me in Sealands Grove. But, you know, that's still really cool. Um, and I'm getting stuff in Philly, lots of stuff in Philly. Um, so, yeah, there's actually quite a few. And um, there's actually a couple of drag queens that are originating from this area. Um, so let me, here, give me one more moment of research and I will go find some drag queens and, you know, show the, you know, maybe I give their socials. Okay, so I have found some, uh, unfortunately not super local, not from Sealands Grove, but I have found some Pennsylvania queens. Uh, so I found a few articles here. So the first one that I'm seeing is Ida Snatchwell Stratton. She's from Philly. Um, and her home bar is actually the Stallions Club that I mentioned. And she has the current title of Miss Heart of Delaware 2015, which is where I'm from. So that's, so that's really cool. Um, there's Akasha Couture from Allentown. She won Miss Stonewall in 2014. Uh, her home bar is Stonewall moose lounge um there's akasha l van cartier uh from pittsburgh alana extreme from philly alice in wonderland from philly uh aloe vera stratton from philly uh and then alora chateau from pittsburgh uh and then let's look at some other ones um let's see new york city that's not hmm, that's not what i wanted Okay, well, the last one that I'm seeing here is actually a Westchester native won season 10 of RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, so let me see what her name is. Uh, her name is Aquaria. Ooh, she's pretty. I like her. She has like a modern kind of punk, like punk femme vibe. She's really pretty. Um, so she's a Westchester native and won RuPaul's Drag Race back in, I believe it's 2018? Yes, 2018. So... Yeah, those, that was a look at some of our some of our local drag names. Um, well, you know, again, not super local. I, I tried to look up drag queens from Sealands Grove, PA, and I, it did not come up with anything. But, you know, still really cool. Um, so we're still a few minutes under, but I think I'm just going to consider this a shorter episode for today. Um, so I hope you guys, you know, learned something new about drag, or, you know, if, you, if not, hope you had some fun listening to this history. Um, I definitely learned some new stuff, and I, I, I think drag is so cool, and I really do want to you know, pursue performing and, you know, showing off the drag personas that I've made. Um, one of them is actually named Sylvan, just to, you know, that, that may or may not be part of why I go by Sylvan, you know, just maybe. <laughs> but um, yeah, so that's today's episode. Again, good luck for anybody studying for finals or writing their final papers like I am. Uh, good luck to anybody out there and anybody not doing finals. Good for you. Lucky you. <laughs> But uh, yeah, have a good day, everybody, and I will see you next time.